Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Top Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Welcome back, Big Ten Backers. As always, me and B are going to break out those big-ass dump trucks. We're going to react to week nine. Let's talk about that Backers big one. Number eight. Oregon destroys number 13, Utah, 35 to 6. Oregon put on a dominant performance on both sides of the ball. And despite the loss to Washington, these Ducks are looking like the best team in the Pac-12. The Ducks snapped an 18-game winning streak of the Utes on Saturday and finally getting revenge. That has been a long time coming for them against Utah. Oregon hit early and hard. That first date must have been a good one because Oregon kept coming back to smash. Oregon put Utah down 18 in the first half. Bryson Barnes and his pig farm hit the slaughterhouse against that Oregon D and couldn't get pig shit moving. Utah was only able to get 241 total yards and 2.8 per clip on the ground. Meanwhile, that Oregon O put up 390 and was efficient at 8 per pass and 5.3 per carry. Beef, this Oregon team is stacked like clean dishes, almost spotless. You, you smell that, man? You smell that pig shit manure? Yeah, that's what Oregon made Utah put up. Bryce Barnes is back working in the barn, smelling that pig shit with the offense that they had. It's a damn shame. But Oregon, on the other hand, 142 yards rushing, 248 passing. You know what, man? Bo Nix. His completion percentage is top in the country, 78.3%, and he's fifth in the country with 21 TDs. That's impressive with the running game they have, man. You got to think of that. Some of these quarterbacks that are putting up tons of yards, tons of touchdowns, they're not letting a guy run the ball. I mean, they're keeping it all for themselves. You think about the Phoenix. You think about Sanders. Those guys are passing it nonstop. I really like this Ducks team, man. They have the fucking best team in the West Coast, despite losing to Washington. That was all on Dan Lanning and his coaching ability. They could have won that game. If that rematch happens in Vegas, I'm going to be betting on Oregon all the way. Thinking about this, Oregon's schedule leads them to the playoff. They have Cal, SC at home, Arizona State, and the other OSU, and then they get the championship game. I think that they can make a run at that. I, I think that's kind of a, a soft schedule to end the year. I mean, SC at home might be a tough game, but I look for the Ducks to be in Vegas. And speaking of that rematch, what the hell is happening with Washington? Did Michigan send their signs to Arizona and Stanford? I mean, they're just not putting up anything on offense anymore. Is that the other other? OSU team or the other OSU team. But either way, those Beavers can play ball. That should be a hard-fought game out there in Oregon. Well, let's talk about number 20 Duke. Went to number 18 Louisville and laid a fucking goose egg, getting destroyed 23 to nothing. 
while Louisville put on a defensive showing and a shutdown performance holding Duke to that goose egg. Louisville held the Devils to just 202 yards, only 51 rushing. Leonard was not a factor in this game, despite him being in a go. Louisville pounded the rock like they had extra duty in prison, getting 48 rushing attempts in this game. Someone call a detective. That was a bludgeoning performance they put on Duke. Beef. Louisville controls their destiny for a chance at the ACC crown, and we are in week 10, baby. Hey, man, you called it. You said that they are a sleeper team. You said that they had a chance at the ACC. Well, they're there, almost there. And why would they do anything but pound that rock with Jawar Jordan? 163 yards and two touchdowns. He's a real baller, man. He's ninth in touchdowns with 10 on the year. Ninth in the nation. 14th in the nation with 824 yards on the year. I expected a lot out of this Duke team, but man, Jawar Jordan ran all over them. I expected a lot out of Riley Leonard too, but I I keep thinking that he's probably still nursing that injury and that held him down a little bit. But even with this loss, Mike Delco and the Blue Devils, they got to be proud of what they've been putting on that field, man. Duke from nothing to something. I I just wonder if Leonard was really a go, 100% go. Either way, the Cards, the Seminoles, and the ACC Championship, baby. That's what it's looking like. It's definitely looking like that. Let's talk about once number one Georgia. We'll get into the playoff rankings later, but Georgia Bulldog chomps the Gators 43-20. to The dogs are alive and haven't looked like this all season. Well, except Kentucky anyway. Beck and the dogs are coming along and starting to look like the three-headed dog of Hades. And they are bound and determined to three-peat. Don't get a gator roll. Georgia owned this game through the air, getting 11.3 per pass. And also did well on the ground, getting 171 on 38 attempts. Whatever the gators were thinking prior to this game, it didn't work. They got 13 of those 20 points in the fourth. They were thoroughly dominated. Thoroughly. B, do you think Georgia is the team to beat again this year? Well, they're definitely the team to beat in the SEC, but it's hard to tell, man. They haven't played anyone yet. Their best wins are two, two, and three teams, Florida and Kentucky. Those are their signature wins. You're going to hang your hat on that? I don't know. I wouldn't, but this team steps up when they need to. I mean, they were struggling against some smaller teams, and they just waxed those teams that were supposed to give them a little bit of a game. It's kind of no wonder that the college football playoff committee had to penalize them. I mean, that is a terrible schedule right up there with Michigan. You can't put them number one when other teams are beating top 10 teams. I get it. And a lot of the announcers, a lot of the college football pundits were like, this is what the committee's going to do. They didn't agree it was the best team in Ohio State, but that's what they're going to do. Put Ohio State ahead based on resume. And that's what they did. And, you know, time will tell. Georgia has a chance. They have three opportunities coming up, three straight rated teams, Missouri, Old Miss, and Tennessee. Those are some good games coming. There were a few questions coming into this season. Number one, what was the quarterback going to give them? And Beck is playing the best out of the big three in Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. He's third in the nation with 343 passing yards a game. And th- but that defense, I don't think they're quite the same as it was the past two years. They're eighth in total yards allowed per game. Seventh in yards given up. And while that sounds good against the competition they've been facing, those are pretty low numbers for a vaunted Georgia defense like they had in the past. You'd want them to be a little bit higher. I'm just saying. They haven't played a whole lot. You'd want those numbers to be a little higher because I believe that they'll go down with the next three opponents. But the real stat of concern 
is they're 0.882 in red zone percentage. And that's not a big deal against some stiffer Ds. Get it? Offensive red zone and defensive red zone. The way you play when it matters the most is huge against those quality opponents. When you start getting into those big teams and you stop them from scoring or you make sure to capitalize when you're in the red zone, that's how you win a big ball game. Well, Beef, it's November. We're definitely going to find out who's real, who's not real. It's game time, baby. November is for winners, and we're going to find out. What's this show called? We are the Big Ten Backers. And what are we going to do? We're going to talk about those Big Ten games. So let's do it, man. Let's break down that Big Ten action. Hey, I don't know yet. We had a guy, gave us some advice, wanted to know a little bit about us, man. Tell me about yourself, AJ. Tell me what you got going on in your life. Oh, man, what's going on in my life? Let's see. Well, living up here in Wisconsin, Port Washington, that is. Get to enjoy the Lake of Michigan. Got some snow here on Halloween. Got a couple of inches. It's getting cold outside already. Looking forward to ice fishing this year. I know that sounds crazy, but you got to try it. Other than that, man, just grinding, doing my work in the Air Force and enjoy doing this podcast and traveling with you on these football games. Man, it's been a fun ride. Let's hear some more about you, B. Yeah, I got two small kids, beautiful South American wife, living the dream, two small dogs, work a ton. I mean, this is a secondary gig for us. We're just doing it for fun right now. It's about to start making some money. It's on the verge. And hopefully this will turn into the full-time job. We'll see. Just living the dream, man. I'm enjoying going to all these different games, seeing these different stadiums. Some of them I've seen before. Wisconsin, though, that's on a new level. First time I've been to Camp Randall. We'll talk about that in the next section. That was awesome. I still can't get over it. I mean, going to Notre Dame, seeing that place for the first time ever, and then seeing Camp Randall this year, too, for the first time ever. It's been a blast, man. This has been a joy ride. How many stadiums have we been to now? How many Big Ten games have we been to? 12? 13? That that was 12, right? Crazy, man. Never thought we'd be doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, we got uh, drunk a long time ago at a Minnesota game. We talked about doing this, and then here we are. We're finally doing it up. Kind of living our dream and passion. Man, me and you have been brothers since we met out in Colorado. Man, we've taken that friendship to another level. Yeah, you're in uh, Wisconsin now. I'm back in Ohio where I grew up in my little small farm town, hometown. So we're meeting together. I mean, driving separately, meeting all these places. It's been a blast, man. You got to follow us. If you're not already following us on social media, check it out. Big Ten Backers on Twitter. Big Ten Backers on Facebook. Big Ten Backers on Instagram. Check out all the videos and stuff we've been doing if you're not already doing it. All right, B. Let's break down those Big Ten games. Let's let's get into that. Let's talk about our trip to Madison. It was a damn good time, like you said. Big Ten Roundup. Week Niner. Reaction time, baby. Well, it's official. Brian is out at Iowa after the bowl season. It's finally happening. The man who should have never been, should have never had this job in the first place. It's about damn time. Your ass was so underqualified and a major disappointment. Now go to your room or go back to being a GA. Whatever. I don't care. Get out. Damn. Out of his parents' basement and on the streets, man. No more free laundry. No more mom cutting up his steaks. I think he ends up back at as an O-line coach. I mean, he had some quality seasons as an O-line coach, and he was the offensive coordinator and tight end coach at one point. So, I mean, he had the tight ends going. So, offensive line, tight end coach would be a good spot for him. I could even see him at a major program with all that good history, producing tight ends and offensive linemen from like 2018 to 
2021. But man, I'm just surprised they did it. I'm surprised they called it this early in the season. I guess they had some PR catch up to do. Yeah, I think they listened to our show, Beeve. I think they heard me talking about how they should fire him right now. And I think they pulled the trigger. It was all me. I'm going to take the credit on this one. I'm with you. I mean, we were slamming them. I think it's everyone counting how many points they were getting. I mean, everyone was doing it. Yeah, he was definitely getting slammed. But let's do a beef. Let's get into that more. Let's get into that Midwest Corn Fest game of the week. Number two, Ohio State beats down these Bucky Badgers 24 to 10. Beave, it was a fun one to be in Madison on Saturday night for this Big Ten showdown. And jump around did not disappoint one bit. Dude, that was as good as it gets. My first time in Madison, you've been there before. It did not disappoint the fans. The atmosphere, the drinking, our outfits, we were on the big screen, and it was just a fun time, man. I can't wait to get back there again. Yeah, I told you, B, that these Badgers don't play around when it comes to tailgating, and man, they put on a show for you. I mean, not only did they put on a show, they put stuff directly down my throat. I mean, I had to drink. I was forced to drink. I wasn't allowed to say no. Yeah, we were 10 minutes into walking through the tailgating, and we were about four shots in from the get-go. We weren't even 10 minutes, man. The first house we stopped at for, I mean, it wasn't even a tailgate. It was just a house. We were walking past. They're like, hey, guys. Like, holy shit. All right. You want a shot? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The one interview we did, the guy was like, we may not be number one in football in the Big Ten, but we're number one in the nation when it comes to big drinks. He wasn't lying. And it wasn't, it's not just the students partying, man. Everyone's partying. Oh, yeah. It was it was right up there with Notre Dame as one of the best atmospheres, except for the people were a little bit better, which was impressive because Notre Dame fans were absolutely awesome. Definitely the second best trip of the year, if not the first. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's the newness of it, but I think it's the first. You can't go wrong with Wisconsinites, man. They're the best. But let's get into this game a little bit. Whiskey put up a good fight, but couldn't hang in there in the fourth. Allen was able to get five yards per carry in this one before he got hurt, but his two fumbles... Did not help the Badgers' effort. He was playing this game like he was 70, and his ball spent more time on the ground than it did in his hands. Ohio State, for the first time, leaned on a running game in Henderson, who returned and helped the Buckeyes to average 4.2 per carry as a team. Ohio State's defense put on another show, grabbing two turnovers and holding the Badgers to just 10 points and 259 total yards at home. Beef. Of course, Ohio State force-fed Maserati Marv, and well, like always, he was hungry, and he beat up my Badgers. The fourth straight 100-yard receiving game, one more, and he ties some of the best. Chris Carter and Smith and Jigba, man, that would be crazy. Crazy. Marv is awesome. He's the one leading us to where we're at right now offensively. But Whiskey... They put up a good fight because McCord gave them three turnovers, two interceptions, one fumble. And really, that's saying a lot, saying a lot about this team. They pulled it off on an away game at night in an awesome environment against a quality team and three giveaways. Most teams won't come back from that. You know, like the three giveaways that North Carolina had changed the game for them. Those three giveaways that Miami had against Georgia Tech gave it away for them. But the D this year, man. The D. Ohio State has had big chunk plays. I'm talking eight 40-yard plays or more in the last two games of 2022. So far this season, 
They've had zero. They are not giving up big plays, man. I'm trusting in this defense, trusting in it. And one more stat for Marv also I forgot to add. He's had 13 100-yard games in his career. He could also tie the most in OSU history with one more 100-yard game. So 14 for a career would be a tie. Leader on the list, man. A leader on the list. Is uh, Maserati a leader? I don't know. Might have to step up that nickname. He's definitely got to be a leader, at least on the practice field. I heard he never stops practicing. He's always putting extra time. Oh, that that jugs machine, man. He's out racing the jugs machine, and he's doing it nonstop. Speaking of that defense, though, we got to take a nice little picture with Jim Knowles with our espionage Michigan shirts and our fake little camera with our little Halloween outfits we dressed up for the game. Man, we had the players laughing. I think Sawyer, Jack Sawyer, liked it the most. He was cracking up just coming off the field seeing it. Oh, yeah, he was dying, man. But let's talk about some of that other big on big action. Indiana threatened the Lions but couldn't get it done in Happy Valley. Penn State wins 33 to Indiana. It's 24. Penn State came out, and this one, like it had spent the night in Vegas, they looked hungover like a bachelor the morning after his party. But eventually, like I said, they pulled away like a girl that wasn't interested. Drew Aller lost his magic that he seemed to possess early in the season. Now he's struggling like an alcoholic in rehab. It's a damn shame. Indiana was able to slow down this Penn State offense and at times looked like the better team, but that had the shelf life of milk. Beef, how can Penn State get it together before they lose a game they should? I don't know. They got to get it together, man. They got Maryland, and you know what I said about Maryland. They're going to knock someone off one of the big three. Got Maryland coming up. Well, they gave away a lot on defense. This is very uncharacteristic. Long touchdowns. One that was 90 yards. A 90-yard pass play. And I believe when I was watching the Big Ten Network, that was the longest pass play in 30 years for Indiana. 30 years. And Penn State's vaunted defense, one of the number one defenses in the country, let them have it. Man, they just let them have 90 yards. Not only that, they got another one, 69-yarder. This is just not typical. It's not a typical day on the job for Manny Diaz and his defense. Man, they looked bad. They were playing flat. I don't know if it was a loss to Ohio State that made them just not have it, man, because, I mean, they wanted that Big Ten championship this year. They wanted to get over the hump, and maybe they're just, they just weren't feeling it. I don't know. The D looked, they looked loose. They were playing bad. Like you said, Aller did not look good. It was just a bad game all in all. But you know what? They didn't have the signs to Indiana's defense. They didn't have the signs to Indiana's offense. So they were at a disadvantage. Fair enough, B. Fair enough. They got to get it together. They got to get it together before Michigan comes to town, man. I want to see a good game there in Happy Valley. I'm going to be there. I hope you can still make it. I don't think it's going to happen. But duty calls, man. You got to do what you got to do. Like I said. We got day jobs still. Oh, yeah. The Air Force has put me to work. you got to miss. So next game, man, we have Michigan State at Minnesota. The Gophers creamed the Spartans 27 to 12. Well, Beef, I said Minnesota would win 27 to 17. I was only five points off. Minnesota improves to five and three and three and two in the big. Meanwhile, Sparty is two and six overall and 0 and five in conference play. Jordan Newbin was a bell cow. He put in work. Someone get that man a lunch bell. He had 40 carries. 40 carries, beef. That boy was on shift, and he still doesn't want to clock out. Gophers had their best offensive day in conference play, gathering 400 total yards, 200 in the air, 200 on the ground, 
Boy, that's a balance of a trapeze artist right there. Beef, can Minnesota win the West? Can Minnesota win the West? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're there. I, I think anyone could win the West still. I don't think anyone wants to win the West. That's kind of what's going on. And as far as balance, man, say that again. 200 yards on the ground, 200 yards through the air. I mean, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. I mean, maybe that you want a little bit more passing yards, but damn, that's there's no fat guy on the teeter totter right now. I mean, that's as balanced as it gets. Newbin, 200 yards on the ground as a third string running back. And Kaliak Manis, I'm going to say his name right now because he passed good. He had 200 yards passing. Crazy, man. I, I just got done talking shit about the Big Ten West and how terrible they are. And then they pull a stunt like this. You go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. I mean, what about Northwestern? They did well, too. Speaking about Northwestern, they upset Maryland and Chicago land winning 33 to 27. As bad as Northwestern started their season, they are now four and four and look to get a couple of dubs so they can enjoy a bowling season and get to put on those goofy ass shoes and roll a strike. Once upon a time, Beeve, you asked why Maryland wasn't ranked. Well, since then, Beeve, they have reeled in three consecutive losses. They always fall apart in the Big Ten. Boy, they as brittle as them damn he, hey, them, they pronoun users. Brittle. Two turnovers recovered by Northwestern helped the Wildcats upset the turnover-prone Terps. Beeve, do you still believe Maryland is going to drop one of the top three in the big? Man, I do think that they could, the way Penn State's defense is playing. But Maryland's going to have to start playing better. I mean, you can't lose to Northwestern and expect to beat Penn State. Wow. Good for Northwestern, though. But damn, you called it on the Terps. I mean, they are like the blue ball special. They get you all worked up in the beginning of the season and then peace out. Let it go. Maryland's team, you just can't count on them. I mean, I don't, they always start out hot and then sputter, sputter, sputter. I did not think it was going to be like that this year. I thought, you know, they had that good defense to match that good offense and they're going to take it over the hump. We'll see, man. Season's not over, but it pretty much is. They were expecting to knock off one of the big ones and get to a major bowl. And Northwestern, they scored 33 points in a game. Northwestern scored 33 points. I just said it. I just recently slammed the Big Ten West. I think that they were listening to our podcast, all of them. They turned it around, man. Got some offensive production, scoring all over the place. I mean, Northwestern had 265 yards passing, 364 yards total. Brandon Sullivan, quarterback for Northwestern, had over 300 yards on his own, passing and rushing. I think he had like 54 yards rushing. I mean, they, they just produced. They were like, fuck it, man. The Big Ten backers don't like us anymore. We're doing something. Poster board material you fed them, man. I did. <laughs> I got them what they needed. Motivation. Let's talk about another couple of Big Ten West teams. We had the Cornhuskers chugging the Boilermakers with ease, winning 31-14. to 14. Matt Rule and the Cornhuskers are in the thick of the Big Ten West race. The race no one seems to want to win. Can someone pull away like Mel Tucker already? Nebraska had nine individuals with rushing attempts, gathering 48 in total, averaging 3.2 per rush. Harburg didn't throw it up too much, but when he did, those wideouts didn't play. They got themselves 20.3 per pass as a team and three tutties. Purdue continues its struggle with the big Ds, Hudson Card needs a new hand because this deal is shot. He's got carpal tunnel from trying to handle those big Ds. Beef, what's your thoughts 
on the Cornhuskers turnaround. Hey, man, it was something like the first three-game win streak since 2016. That's crazy. Nebraska is kind of like a blue blood, right? They got a good program. They got a great following. I think it is a new rule. I mean, we had that sign to start the, the year. It's a new rule, no frost. Well, rules starting to insert his culture, man. Three games in a row, one more, they're going bowling. They got Michigan State coming up. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! I think they're going to make it, man. They're going to get bowling. And good on them, because Nebraska's a fun place to watch football, too. Lincoln's an awesome, smaller-sized city. We went there a couple years ago, a few years ago, I guess it was. Was it 2019? I believe it was. We were both living in Colorado. We're like, yo, we got to make a trip. So we did. Some of those trips are what led to us doing this right now, man. And what a beautiful place to watch football. The people there are awesome. I'm happy for them. And when they go to that bowl game in Detroit, Michigan, they're going to pack that fucking stadium, man. Oh, they sure will. They always do. All right. Well, the rest of the Big Ten, Michigan, Rutgers, Iowa, and Illinois, all enjoyed their week off. Now, what the fuck's going up with Michigan, man? We got anything new on that? Well, your boy Stallions was spotted on another team's sideline, supposedly stealing signs. Yeah, I heard that there was an AI uh, comparison of the faces, and it was something like 93% the same. So what the fuck's going on? Not only is this boy buying tickets for other people to scout in advance, which is against the rules. Now he's posing on the sideline trying to gather information on Michigan State week one and potentially giving Central Michigan signs to help them beat Michigan State because their coach was a previous coach at Michigan. Very interesting stuff, man. It's crazy. I, I still think that there's more coming out to this. In fact, I know there is more coming out to this. I've talked about it a little bit. I do have a person that is in the know directly within a high-ranking government establishment. It's going to get worse, man. It's just a matter of when it gets out and what the Big Ten does about it. Because the NCAA ain't doing anything till next year. We all know that. They're going to wait till summer. Is the Big Ten willing to let that cash out of the bag and do something now? I don't think so. I- I'm starting to think less and less because I thought this information would be out this week already, by now. Stuff's coming out slowly, but that whole contract thing, what do you think about that, Harbaugh? It said the contract was rescinded, and then the next day they're like, no, he's signing that contract. I don't don't know that it's been signed, but they said it's going to be big. Man, there's two ways to look at this, Beav. It's either a smart move by Michigan, showing solidarity through the program, and trying to make you know the recruits know that hardball isn't going anywhere. Or you can look at it like, man, there's so many scandals going on with Michigan between what's happening now, the cheeseburger issue they had going on at the beginning of the season. They also had their coordinator in trouble for some major crimes. And this is the time you offer Jim Harbaugh an extension. I don't know which way you lean. You can lean both ways. I still think it's a smart move by Michigan just to try to save recruiting and put some kind of solidarity into the program when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, I think it's more recruiting is going to suffer either way. I mean, if it happens now or in the summertime, it's still going to be a bad thing. Signing day is in February. If you unleash this right before yeah i guess you could save the class but people can transfer still too so that changes it too i think it's more about getting through the season making sure you hold it together and trying to win a natty and then they can let the thing implode after that it's going to implode it's just a matter of when yes sir we got one more thing we need to talk about before we get out of this big 10 segment beave the big 10 lost a big legend bob knight rest in peace but knowing bob knight there will be no rest there will be no peace He's going to race some hell and toss some chairs on them golden streets. He was born in Orville, Ohio in 1940. 
played for Ohio State from 1958 to 1962, helped the Buckeyes win a national title in 1960. This man was a three-time national champ winner, five Final Fours to his name, 11 Big Ten titles. He was three times Coach of the Year. Put some respect on his name, Beef. Hey, man, got to love him. I mean, I loved him at Texas Tech, too. The guy has classic, and I mean classic clips, man. Anytime you play him, the faces, the bury me face down so my critics can kiss my ass, that type of shit. Oh, man. It's just awesome. It's awesome. You got to play some of that. You got to light that shit up. Oh, I'm going to light it up, man. We're going to play the best of Bob Knight. We hope you guys enjoy that for the next couple of minutes. Let me answer that. You know, that is an absolute crock of You know, you people in the news media, all of you uh, dwell on some negative piece of like that. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just And you don't have to bleep one single word of that. I had a friend one time that, that said, why had, uh, why had he become so popular after he became 85? And he said, because I outlived all those sons of that didn't like me. Just remember, when you're at a game and you see grass, it's the opposite side of the ball. But if you see hardwood out there, it's the other end of the floor. Try to help you young guys in this profession you've chosen. It's one or two steps above prostitution. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. I can't tell you. If it amazes you, then you don't know anything about basketball. You're, you're uh, uh, illuminating your uh, relative lack of knowledge of the game with a statement like that. Let's just start all this again. Now, I'm not here to argue the thing with you. I'm not going to debate things with you and people from television. You know, you want an answer from me, you get the answer. You don't like can answer, then don't use the program, okay? Probably no motivational device I've ever come across is as good as this. Boy, this is really good. See the see the blood drip out of it? You watch that. See that? Patrick Knight is my all-time favorite Indiana player. We only got two people that are going to tell you I'm not going to be here. One is our SID and the other is me. Who the hell told you I wasn't going to be here? I'd like to know. Do you have any idea who it was? Yeah, I do. Who? I'll point them out to you in a They were from Indiana, right? No, they're not. No, weren't from Indiana, and you didn't no. get it from anybody from Indiana, did you? Could we please no, I'll, do, I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. In my entire adult life, I've never used the expression game face. I've no idea what it means or what you're supposed to When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Beef, you know what time it is. It's time to trim those ginger balls. Get it out, get it out. The trimmer is out. It is time to trim the landscape, baby. Let's do it. We had number six, Oklahoma, stunned by Kansas. Jayhawks win it 38-33. By gameplay standards, this was the best game of the week. This was a back and forth thriller from beginning to end. But it ended like a horror movie for those Sooners. As those Jayhawks secured the dub. As Oklahoma had four chances to put it in the end zone in the waning seconds, but couldn't get it done. 
let's stop and appreciate what Lance Leopold and Kansas have done. Or it's not just they beat Oklahoma, but where they came from to do it. What a massive win for this school, this program, the coach. He's been everywhere, like I said, but to do it in Kansas, now that's a task. From Whitewater with love to Kansas and dubs. Let's go, Lance. Bean flicked it for 218 and ran it up to 62 on the ground. They had 225 as a team with four team tutties. Beef, I know you're a good judge of the big ones. How big was this one? It was huge. I mean, totally huge. Man, how do you not get jacked up about things like this? This is why we like college football. Upsets, man. You don't get upsets like this in the NFL. You don't get game day atmospheres. You don't get people rushing the field and bringing down the goalpost, walking them out of the stadium and throwing them in the lake. Man, this is sweet. This is what we love to see. Last time Kansas beat Oklahoma, 1997, man. 1997, like 30 years ago. That's crazy. Not quite 30, but, you know, close enough. Holy shit, man. That's the stuff get jacked up about for college football. We fucking love it. I mean, it. That, that pick that was thrown, taken to the house to start the game, you're like, oh, shit. And then, but you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, Oklahoma will pull it out. This is the beginning of the game. Just kept creeping on, creeping on, creeping on. Next thing you know, Kansas has got it. Lance Leipold takes them to the promised land. But they almost gave it away at the end, man. There was a a running back shouldn't have gone out of bounds and did. Clock was running. Gave more time on the clock to Dylan Gabriel. Then he had a running back running up the middle. Went ahead and scored instead of taking a knee, letting some more time run off the clock. They almost lost it just because of clock management, man. But Kansas, they still have a shot at the Big 12, man. I did predict them to win it. Wouldn't that be wild if they did? It would be wild, Beef. That Oklahoma team, though, they were playing loose. Too loose. Like a person who works under bridges, over bridges, on bridges, giving out ZJs. Gave up 443 yards to the Jayhawks with three turnovers, too. Three turnovers to boot. Man, they play bad. And after a big win this year against Texas, knocking off their rival to lose a game like that, that's got to be rough. It's a damn shame. Speaking of Texas, number seven Texas took the Longhorns to those Cougars winning 35-6. to Malik Murphy wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. But with the help from that D, they get this done easily, holding the Cougars to only six total points. Texas, 184 was the total on the ground at 5.3 per carry. Add two tuds. They also had 170 through the air and two tuds. That Texas T is perfectly balanced and performed well without their main signal caller. BYU needs some sort of consistency. They went win, loss, win, loss, win, and loss in their last six. Beef, the Big 12 is starting to get heated up. Who's making it to that title game, baby? Oh, it's got to be the Sooners and the Longhorns. I mean, like I said, I'll be rooting for the Jayhawks. When Ewers comes back, Texas will be back. Texas is back again. But Slovis, man, for BYU, has he been in the NCAA for like 20 years? With all those years and all those different schools he's been to? USC for three years, Pittsburgh for a year, BYU for a year. This kid's been all over the place. With all that experience, probably shouldn't have had three turnovers. Three turnovers, it's hard to win a game in Austin. Yeah, no doubt about that, Beav. Let's go take a look at an SEC game. 
We got a nice little SEC matchup. We had number 21, Tennessee. They put it on the Wildcats and put them away late, winning 33-27. to Volunteers get it done, this time on the road against a rival. This time, the Wildcats of Kentucky. This was like a mirror game. They both played good, but somebody had to win. Somebody had to lose. These teams had similar first downs, similar yardage, no turnovers. The difference would be how they got that yardage. Volunteers went for 47 rushing attempts, getting 5.4 a carry and 253 total yards on the ground. Wildcats tried to get it done in the air, and they did for 372 at 9.5 per pass, but it wasn't good enough to rattle that Tennessee defense who sold out to stop the run. Beef, Tennessee had to get this one soon. Missouri and Georgia comes calling on Old Smokey. Yeah, I think Tennessee loses both those games. Missouri's plan on fire right now. I did not expect them to be a seven and one team going into this stretch run. Georgia, Georgia plays when they need to. Georgia's going to play Tennessee and they're going to win that game. They're probably going to blow out Tennessee, but that run game for Tennessee, it's no joke. They had 470 yards total in that game. Talk about a balanced offensive attack. They had it. Kentucky, I, I just, they're not really that good of a team. They're a middle-of-the-road team. That motherfucker back there is not real! They'll lose a couple more games. I mean, they're a lot better than they had been. They used to be the basement dweller of the SEC East right now. They transferred that over to Vandy. And they're having some good seasons. I mean, still a great season in Kentucky standards. And speaking of standards, what kind of standards does Colorado have? Mm-hmm. Well, Colorado gets dragged in the end as the number 23 Bruins pull away in the fourth, winning 28-16. to Bruins dunked on the Buffs defense, getting 487 total yards, 269 passing. This game should have been a beatdown, but the Bruins committed four turnovers. Despite those four turnovers, the Buffs offense struggled to turn those into more than field goals, and that was the major difference here. Dion once had the nation behind him, but now after losing four of his last five, you don't hear much of anything, despite that he took one of the worst teams and turned them into a four-win team. Let's see if he can grab two more and become the bowling buffs of Dion. Chip made a change at QB, and Ethan Garbers took off and threw for it, Beef. That's kind of what we all expected out of Colorado. I mean, we didn't think they'd start off as hot as they did. They did. They gathered. The nation's attention, everyone was watching. Big noon kickoff was there every weekend. But they're just not a great team. They're significantly better than they were last year. They were 1-11 last year, losing games by, I think, an average of 23 points. Don't see Colorado getting two more, though. But the season's already been a success. Maybe not in DN's eyes. Maybe not in some of those players' eyes. But in the fans' eyes and the people who follow Colorado football. It's a lot better than it was last year, man. They're still going to sell out next year. UCLA is quietly having a pretty good year. Chip and that defense playing outstanding. They got seven sacks, which is normal against Colorado, I guess, and 10 tackles for a loss. Yeah, I mean, he definitely turned that program around, even if it's just four wins. You guys got to understand where Colorado came from if you haven't been following Colorado for long. So good on Dion. Still proud of the Buffs. You got to give Chip some credit. He's got UCLA rolling on defense. But, Beave, it's time to get into those AJ and Beave best quickies. We had number 11, Oregon State, at Arizona. Arizona gets in on the Beavers, winning 27-24. to 24. Old Dominion at number 25. 
James Madison, Dukes, hold on, winning 30 to 27. And just for our listeners, which ones are the Dukes? We had number 17, North Carolina at Georgia Tech. Tech dumps the heels 46 to 42. Vanderbilt at number 12. Old Miss, the Rebels run it up 33 to 7. Number 19, Air Force at Colorado State. Air Force stays undefeated, winning 30 to 13. And number five, Washington struggles against Stanford as Michigan gives Stanford all the signs for that Washington offense, holding them to 42 and scoring 33 points. You had Southern Cal at California. USC once again flirts with danger, but pull it out just in time to win 50 to 49. Number 22, Tulane at Rice. Rice made a late run, but Tulane wins it. Just squeaks it out, 30-28. You had Pitt at Notre Dame. Number 14 Notre Dame, that is. Notre Dame punts the Panthers, 58-7. to Didn't that cause uh, Pat Narduzzi to have a menstrual moment? Mm, he always does. And number four, Florida State at Wake Forest. Seminoles have no trouble in the forest. Winning big, 41-16. to All right, that's the quickies. We got one more little segment we're going to add. We're going to break down the college football playoff rankings, the initial rankings. Yeah, sorry, this uh, podcast came out a little late. We had trick-or-treating to do with the kids, some family time to do. Getting this one late, you get two in a row this week, though. B, the college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday, the first rankings for 2023. Ohio State comes in at number one. Georgia at number two, Michigan number three, Florida State number four, and then your top two left out, Washington at five, Oregon at six. What's your thoughts on this playoff ranking? Well, I mean, one of those two is getting in there, Washington or Oregon, right? I mean, you can't leave out the Pac-12 this year, so I think that they'll make it. And I don't think that there's going to be two teams from any conference this year. I don't think that there's a way. I mean, maybe there could be a lot that happens in the last few games. The weird thing to me is it looked like they rated Ohio State based on their quality of wins. And if they're going to do that, they need to do it all the way through. And Florida State didn't get that same advantage. Their quality of wins are better than Michigan and Georgia, both of them. I mean, just the LSU win is enough to push them to number two, right? I'm right there with you, Beeb. If you're going to use the resume of Ohio State, then you need to keep that energy throughout. And then you could say the same thing about Washington. Why isn't Washington up there at three? If you're going to use that, you got to use it completely throughout. To me, I think it would have been better if you put Florida State two, Washington three, and Georgia four, if that's what you're going to say. Now, if you're doing the eye test, well, it's like they halfway did with Georgia and Michigan. I get it. But you can't say resume for Ohio State and not mention the resume for Florida State and Washington. Yeah, I don't know if it's like the metrics they're using are a little bit of everything, and maybe it's like Ohio State has the best resume and the eye test. I mean, if you're looking at that defense, if you're looking at Marv, there's an eye test there. And then you have the eye test plus the competition. Now, if you're looking at Florida State, the LSU win isn't quite – it's not quite as good, but it is a good win. It's a top 15 Let's take a look at those one-loss teams. We talked about Oregon being the number one ranked one-loss team at six. Following them, you got Texas, Bama, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Penn State, Missouri, and Louisville. 
you think they got those right? I think they pretty much got those right. I mean, maybe you flip Penn State up past Ole Miss and maybe past Oklahoma. But other than that, I'll agree with that. I mean, it's hard to rank that for sure until the season keeps going because all those teams are going to play some of the teams above them, right? You got Missouri and Georgia playing this weekend, so those two are going to play. So there's one of them that's going to play for sure. And then, of course, you know, you got Penn State and Michigan going to play. There's definitely a lot of games going on, a lot of games that are going to change these playoff rankings. Yeah, Ole Miss plays Georgia. Texas and Oklahoma possibly will play again. Louisville and Florida State will probably play in the ACC championship game. Even Oregon and Washington will probably play again. All right, B, we got some of these two lost teams to talk about. You got LSU. The number one ranked two loss team sitting at 14. You got Notre Dame at 15, Oregon State at 16, and Tennessee at 17. There's a few more. We're not going to go too deep. But do you think there's a two loss team that stands a chance to make the playoffs? No, absolutely not. But I would give UCLA a nod a little ahead of some of these other teams. Maybe not at the top past LSU or Notre Dame, but if it was me doing it, I would. That's it. I think there's an outside shot that LSU could sneak into the playoffs with two losses. They'd obviously have to run the table. I don't see that happening, but I think there's an outside, very, very outside shot for that to happen. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Yeah, you're right about that. LSU could do it if they went all the way through the SEC, beating Alabama and beating Georgia in a championship game. There's talk to be had if that happens. There absolutely is. I mean, they have two really good losses, losing the old Miss and Florida State, so at least the teams they lost to are doing great. There's an outside shot. Now, let's talk about those non-Power 5 teams, group of 5 teams, whatever you want to call them. You got Tulane, 7-1 at 24, and Air Force, 8-0 at 25. Who do you think should be the top-ranked group of 5 team? Air Force beat Wyoming, who beat a couple good teams, but other than that, Air Force hasn't beaten anyone. Tulane has that nice loss to Ole Miss. Also, Hasn't beaten any big teams, so at least they played Ole Miss. I mean, they had someone tough on their schedule. It's hard to tell, man. I'd just like to see them play each other. There should be a play-in game. I mean, it's not going to matter to the playoffs, but playing in a major bowl game, this has major implications to who's ranked higher to play on New Year's. That's the only reason I want to talk about this one. But yeah, man, that was your initial playoff ranking brought to you by the playoff committee. I don't think there's too much to take away. I think we got our gripes out in the first section of this. But Beef, I think that does it for the Big Ten backers today. Go on and get us on out of here. Big Ten backers are out. Thanks for following us. Follow along on our social media, Big Ten backers on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on The X. God bless everyone. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors, NILFanBoat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. 